Welcome to the Whole Equestrian Podcast. We're here bridging the gap between riding and wellness. Discussing topics related to mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community. Our mission is to promote health and happiness through our love of horses. I'm Emily Hamill, a five-star rider, dedicated practitioner of yoga and meditation, and plant-strong athlete. And I'm recording this in Aiken, South Carolina. And I'm Tyler Held. I am a doctoral student of sports psychology, a lifelong learner in the areas of positive mindset, motivation, and uh, goal setting. And I am also a blue belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And today we're also joined with special guest Kate Nelligan. Kate is an equine partnered life and business coach healer and animal communicator whose life work is devoted to the human animal bond. She has a master's degree in spiritual psychology and is certified in equine experiential education. Also a best-selling author, TEDx speaker, corporate marketing VP, and Huffington Post writer. We're very glad to welcome Kate onto our show. Thanks so much for having me here. Yeah, we're we're excited to get it into this conversation so excited I was like so interested when we got your email because like obviously I do stuff in psychology with horses like I'm getting my doctorate in sport and performance psychology and I work a lot with riders but my impression of what your work is is that it's very different from what I do Um, and it's very intriguing to me can you tell us a little bit more about what you do, how you would kind of describe your profession and life's work. Sure. Yeah, it is a little different in the sense that I'm mostly working with humans that may or may not have had experience with horses, but they're drawn to them. They find them, you know, mysterious, magical, majestic, and they want to be around them and learn from them. And so often I'm really working with women who are in some form of transition, going through a divorce, wanting a more meaningful career, maybe dealing with loss. And we're really working on deeper emotional intelligence skills, all kind of boiling down to self-love and self-acceptance. And we're working with the horses on the ground. There's no riding. And it's really about what the horses are reflecting to us through their ways of being, through how they role model uh, things in a herd environment or as individuals. And there's also a lot of energy work happening. And then I am a coach asking questions and holding loving space so that clients can really move through emotions and challenges and find solutions in real time. That's awesome. I feel like that is something I can really resonate with. Like I always say that you know, I connected with horses first, like from a very young age, like I very quickly found that connection to horses, but it was people that I struggled to understand. And in sort of embracing my connection to horses, I was able to end up having these fantastic relations in my life. You know, I wouldn't have met Emily if it hadn't been for horses. And I really would never have built Uh, self-confidence or an understanding of myself without these animals. So I think it's so cool that you can take people in these transitional phases of their lives and give them uh, a grounded feeling through horses is is kind of what it sounds like. Yes. And it is what you mentioned about self-confidence. It's a huge piece too, because often we 
are shook up a little bit when we're going through transition and different challenges. So it is coming to greater clarity, greater confidence, and also connection because horses have hearts five times the size of ours. And so that electromagnetic frequency is significant. And so people often just feel really held and safe and loved by the horses um, and or donkeys. And I also work with goats and that kind of unconditional love is really transformative. It's where people can do their deepest healing. And I find that it is really powerful. Those of us who have rode, we know what it goes, what goes into getting on their backs and taking care of them. This is an experience often for people who may not have access to horses or may not have been riders. I have also worked with riders and that's a whole, it's a bit of a different work because they actually know horses really well. So it's a different perspective, but mostly it's people who don't. That's awesome. I think like, um, you know, I've, I've read a little bit about even PTSD work through horse therapy and everything like that. Um, the idea of bringing someone that doesn't know horses into this world, almost uh, challenging a, an extra excitement level to the work. Would you agree that that's kind of like a added layer of, oh, here's someone who's never been around an animal this big and majestic before and... Uh, Oh, but do you ever get fear as well there? Yeah, I was just going to say that what often happens is people haven't been around them since they were kids or people come to me after they have had some challenge or trauma with horses as a, as a younger person and they want to work through that or they have a little bit of intimidation. A lot of times I hear people say, gosh, I've never been this close to a horse or I've never been eye to eye with a horse or they've never had a relationship or connection with them the way I'm providing, which is really more through breath, through meditation, through just being with them. And so it's really this powerful connection that you don't always see when we're just like jumping on their backs to go trail riding. That's much more about us and our enjoyment rather than actually being in this like equal space between the horse and the human. Very cool. Well, um, I watched your TED talk and I am, what first of all, in so, so much awe. I love TED Talks. I'm obsessed with TED Talks. I want to do a TED Talk one day, hopefully in the future for me. Uh, but in that talk, you call yourself a recovering perfectionist. And this is something that I think Emily and I both really resonate with. And I think other people um, in the equestrian world resonate with. You tell this story of, you know, I had to get good grades to get access to horses. And I mean, the same, my parents said, if you get good grades, then we'll well, you know, make sure that you have horses. Yeah, you're going to have to go muck stalls to help pay for it, but you get those A's and you're going to keep having privileges in the barn. And that set me straight. Like I never was distracted in class. I was always really focused. And I felt like your conversation of how horses and the journey um, helped you understand letting go of perfection was really powerful. Um, something that I always question in life is like, how can you strive and work towards ambitious goals without feeling um, unfulfilled and empty? Like this idea that you can want to be better and accept where you are. And I think that was kind of the message that I got from the talk, but I just kind of wanted you to share some of those ideas with our listener, just because I think they're so powerful and so relatable. Yeah, thank you. I find that, you know, myself included in this, when we're drawn to horses, sometimes we have 
lessons to learn about control. And especially in writing, a lot of writing instructors, like when I grew up, I was taught every five seconds, put your heels down and, you know, hold your arms back, get your shoulders straight. And it was like, I was being barked at. And it was not, there was nothing about the connection. There was nothing about breath. There was no centered writing instruction when I was growing up. And I find that it really started to create these like perfectionism tendencies in my body, in my mindset. And I also had a lot of that just being who I am as like a Capricorn of being driven naturally. But I find that people who, especially women, often who are drawn to horses and competing do have some control tendencies. There's a little bit of like an addiction to control. And really what the horse is available to us as is a teacher to help us to let go, to surrender and to blend energies. And the energies are really that strength and power with also that gentleness and the presence and the softness. And if you watch the best riders, I mean, clearly they're the ones that are soft in their body, but also in their mind, they're not being hard on themselves and their horses. They are really connected. And I find that the horse is there to help us really shift into these paradigms. And so it's a lot of what you just said, Tyler, it has that whole energy of, you can have goals and you can have, you can strive and you can do, but what are you doing with the being energy? How are you being well doing? How can you be in like what I'd call more masculine or doing energy, right? Creating the world, striving, all of that, while still having that feminine energy blended, which is that softness and the being and the receptivity. So the horse, especially I find the mare, often is so great at showing us both of these sides. And so sometimes what will happen is I'll get clients that are really need help with being more in their feminine. Sometimes I get really feminine women who need more help with being assertive and being strong and standing up for themselves and having boundaries. So it's really cool because the horse is naturally both. And it's not either or as we pursue our goals. It's really this both and. And it's the power within, which is what do we get from uh, intuition and our heart and being inside our bodies rather than the power over, which is, you know, making our dreams happen or making a horse do something, right? So there's a lot of analogies and metaphors in the whole thing. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And um, I think that, you know, in eventing especially, because that's what we know, you can really tell when people have found that balance of being soft, but still being assertive, um, and, you know, having the three different phases where you have to show different sides of yourself. And like you were saying, the best riders have kind of found that balance. But um, it's great that you're bringing that, you know, to attention and helping equestrians and non-equestrians alike find that balance of energy. Yeah, because we have both and it's just about really bringing them into greater harmony and synergy because the balance, you know, the balanced human is often like the happiest human. And it is that I have boundaries with my work. I have healthy boundaries in my relationships with my horses. And they're so great at modeling clear boundaries and clear communication. Right. We they, we know how they communicate. So, yeah, I think there's so much there for riders if they're feeling like they're 
trying to be perfect or they're, they're striving and they're unhappy because there's always that kind of expectation hangover. One of my coaching friends says, um, or that the disappointment, if we feel like we're never enough and the horse feels that too, rather than like the energy of prizing and acknowledgement and celebration, which is a whole level of joy, which I find the horses respond really well to. So it's really, you know, that's why in a lot of training, they say, do just a few minutes, reward your horse. And don't push, don't keep going. I th- that's for me the hardest thing sometimes with myself and my own horses is stopping when it's going well, rather than being like, oh, I can get more, I can get more and not mean greedy and just really, you know, small sessions build and baby steps build to being a greater horse person. Yeah, and celebrating the little, little wins. Because um, I think, again, you made a good point about like, not, um, you know, like feeling like you always have to do the next thing, push a little more, you know, reach the next goal. Um, but taking that time to acknowledge it and find joy in, in the wins and the connection you get along the way. Yeah. I think that kind of goes back to a lot of, um, lack of facing, uh, focus on the basics too, right? Like so many people want to do the fancy stuff, but like, um, in our world, Kate, like the eventing it's, you've got, uh, jumping dressage fitness, you've got cross country and there's all these elements and it's always kind of a more, 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 more. And people get wrapped up in trying to do so much that they forget that the basic principles and connection with the horse is what's going to drive them through all three phases. And I think it's interesting that you mentioned like all this breath work, um, something that I'm doing with a lot of my sports sports psychology clients these days is working on relaxation, breathing for riding, right? So like when we talk about relaxation, breathing in sports psychology, mostly the goal is to get into a peak performance state, try to get some of the nerves out, try to, you know, calm the mind. And I recently had this thought of like, what if we did that in the moments where we're struggling, we're hyper-focusing on perfecting this moment or this, you know, flying lead change or something that's been such a problem for someone in their training for so long that introducing sort of a relaxation aspect through breath will help that connection and will help them progress in the ways that they want to without pushing harder. It's, it's pulling back. Yeah. And that's the thing. There's different energies that are really powerful. There's an exercise we do. That's a goal exercise in the equine coaching world. And it brings in the pause, the push or the drive and the pullback. And each of those energies work really well in business and relationships. And we need to just kind of have an energy mastery, which, you know, not everyone talks about. It's all this body posture thing, but really, I mean, horses are energetic beings. Their guts are huge. They follow what feels good. They don't think their way or have shoulds or have tos like we do. And what I find when a horse is really enjoying his or her work, it's because it's fun for them and there's a challenge in it. And there's something that, um, there's a positive reward. So I think that there's a lot in the eventing space where it is, um, first of all, what's amazing about eventing is you have to be good at so many things. So it's going to naturally inspire that, like, I need to be great and, and have all these different skill sets. 
But what I find is really important is like, where's the conversation around self-acceptance and self-compassion? And as you're compassionate with yourself as a rider, the horse feels that too, because they're always, and they have been for a very long time, reading our emotional states, because that's where their safety lies, right? If we're upset we and we forget to feed them, it affects their, their safety, right? Um, so they're constantly reading us and our emotional states and responding to us. So the self-compassion, like I find with myself when I do forgiveness work around my horses, they will walk straight up to me. They will sigh. They will blow out at the same time that I'm releasing some tears. It's really, really cool to watch. And we can get into like heart coherence too, which is a whole nother conversation around heart math and how that can help rioting as well. But yeah, there's a lot here in, you know, starting to define what success really means to us. And for me, that is being compassionate with myself and with others rather than just always winning something. Right. Absolutely. That's such a great reminder. So, um, I want to hear more about your horses now that you use in your program. You had a great video in the New York post and, um, I really want to know about Lindsay. She looks like an amazing horse. And I, since I haven't ever seen an equine coaching session in person, I just wonder if you could explain kind of how the horses play a part and, you know, some of their reactions to the people. I would be interested in knowing more about that. Yeah, thanks. Well, the way I kind of described Lindsay is there's a viral video that went around of this like chestnut stallion that was go- that goes into hospitals and like puts his head up on people, whether they're in their deathbed or they're healing, whatever it might be. She looks a lot, she looked a lot like him and acted that way, was very present, very calm, very loving. She passed in 2017. And so I'm super grateful that I've, you know, I had my time with her for a couple of years. I rescued her uh, after working with her. She's the one that really introduced me to horses as healers or energy workers, which I had never known about. And the way that she often worked, like I would, she asked me to get her a massage table and I put it down and people would lay on it and she would put her nose up to specific places on people's body that hurt. And I had no idea. And then afterwards people would be like, oh yeah, I got in a car accident here and I hurt that part of my my leg. And I'm like, what? And so that people would explain that they would have like pain leaving. Sometimes they would cry because they had never felt more loved than that moment with her, than that time with her. Um, But what a lot of what she taught me too is, you know, often we go up to horses with our own agenda. It's just natural. It's part of where we live in the speciesism space. But Lindsay was always teaching me about horses being equals to humans, which is really powerful if we think about that and we practice that. And she taught me a lot about receiving. So instead of me going up and just wanting to touch a horse's face, which almost everyone wants to do, you know, that's their prey animals, as we know, and that's not always the place they want to be touched. So she taught me to just stand there with my arms open in a receptive pose and to allow her to come up to me. And in the horse world, you know, that's it's she was coming up close into my space, but it was never disrespectful. And what would happen is I would because I'm in tune with the energy of it, feel shifts and changes in my body and like pain would leave 
or um, all of a sudden I would have insight on something that I had been questioning. And it was really through the work of being in receiving mode rather than doing something with a horse that really started to create big shifts. So I would often at most vulnerable have people on a massage table, but otherwise have people stand with her and watch and see how she would work with people. So it's kind of neat. And now I have two other horses, one horse that looks exactly like Lindsay, which is still a miracle to me named Salida and another uh, very sassy paint mare who's half saddle bred, who's named Phoenix. That's I've always heard of the dogs doing stuff like that, you know, like the the hurt, finding pain and, and release. Um, but it's so interesting to find this world of horses. Like, obviously, I've been in the horse world my entire life um, and I've never really experienced horses being used in this this capacity as healers. I mean, obviously, always uh, therapeutic riding centers and have been really big into that. But uh do you think that there's something special about the horses that you particularly use in these sessions? Or do you think that all horses have this capacity in them? Yeah, it's a great question. And people often ask me that. They're like, do you train them to do this? So just like with humans, we all have different capacities. So we have, you know, the capacity to heal. We have the capacity to, you know, be intuitive or psychic, however you want to call it. It's just whether we grow it or practice it. And so I find it the same with the horses. Lindsay was an advanced healer. She was not ridden. Uh, she was an off-the-track thoroughbred. She was a broodmare. She was a hunter, you know, hunter-jumper horse. She did a lot. And so when I got her, her body was like, you can't get on me. Right. And so she was really meant to do this work. And I uncovered her gifts over just listening in time and being with her and being able to hear her, you know, as, as a communicator, I was able to hear her. So I find like, for instance, my younger new horse, Phoenix, she did not, when I got her a year and a half ago, she was not ready to do any of this work. And now, just now after a year and a half, she's really blossoming and coming into it, but she's younger. And she was kind of watching other horses and learning. Some horses have just incredible natural abilities the way we do as humans. It's part of their mission, I think, or purpose. And others take some time to develop it. And then there are some horses, like I've talked to, who are like, they don't necessarily want to do this work. They're athletes. They want to, you know, they want to do eventing because they love that. Just the way, you know, you would go maybe see an Olympic athlete and that they're really very action focused. Um, and so, you know, everyone just has their own gifts, but it's really being able to read which horses are inclined and great at it. Uh, and I really do find that in partnering with them, it's really for me about listening and pulling out their best gifts and how they best work. And it is really on a unique individual basis. That's awesome. And, you know, the answer to this question could be no, but do you think that, you know, at some level, a rider that is competitive or amateur that has a horse um, is there something that they could do with any old horse that they own or have a connection with to sort of embrace this sense of connection, even if it's not, you know, directly in your work, line of work, just something for a rider that could 
deepen their relationship with their own horse. I think one thing that's really lacking in the equestrian community that Emily and I are in is, you know, it's so goal-oriented. It's so go, go, go all the time that sometimes we do forget that this horse is our partner. And, you know, we maybe slow down and give them a good curry. But is there any other suggestion that you might have to increase and deepen a sense of connection with their own partner? I love this question. And I, I have worked with many as an animal communicator and also the healing side of the work that I do that's with horses. So when horses are really my clients instead of humans, this is a lot of what I do, which is hearing the horse speak about what they would most want from their human and how that bond can be increased. And often the suggestions are around just being with each other, sitting with them, meditation, um, slow mindful grooming, breathing nose to nose, uh, or uh, doing other fun groundwork. So just walking on a trail or taking a nice mindful walk with them, ground to ground, equal to equal, uh, and, and finding different ways to play, like finding different things that a horse wants to do. Not all of them love balls, as we know, but I just in the last year got into positive reinforcement. And so I love that whole clicker training and treat reward, which I never used to do and believe in, but now it's the number one thing that works with Phoenix. So I think it's just about getting to know your horse as, you know, they're your, they're your best friend, they're your child, they're your, they're your partner. And just like in anything, you know, if you, if it was a team, right. And Olympic athletes, you would want to know who you're playing basketball with. You would want because you're going to have a, a greater sense of connection to protect them on the court, to know what makes them tick, to be able to celebrate together afterwards. So we really do have to shift and think about it as like we're not just jumping on the back of a motorcycle. We are really this is a sentient being that needs and deserves our attention, awareness and love. Yeah, it. that's great. And I personally like, you know, I'm I'm super attached to my five star horse, Barry. Anyone that knows me and him know that. Um, I think we have a pretty special bond, but I do. I always suggest to my clients that they should like do slow, mindful grooming sessions, because for me, that's been one of the biggest ways that like I feel like I've deepened my connection with Barry because he loves it. And um Anyway, so it's interesting that you you added that, um, and so I, I connect to that on a deep level for sure. Well, you taught someone talked before about the whole flow state, right? I think, like, and that's really what the best riding is. When you watch a rider and a horse that are in total harmony, they look like one being. It's like centaur energy, right? that's the flow state. And with all athletes, that's the goal. And like my thing is whether I'm working with a rider or someone else, it is to help them get into those greater flow states where there's, you know, time stands still. And it's really about full connection, right? Full body connection. I love the whole ride with your heart up to, to the sky or, and really connecting your heart with the horse's heart. As soon as you sit on them, I have, uh, some training in horse boy, which was developed for autistic kids, but I love doing it as a rider and bringing it to other riders as well, because there's different poses. It kind of looks like yoga on the back of a horse, which I've also done workshops doing yoga, mounted yoga and mounted and yoga on the ground with horses, which I love 
love. But ultimately, yes, there's that you can connect with them in different poses on their back, bareback, that then creates a whole different relationship of trust and vulnerability that translates into your writing. And you have to really try it to believe it. It's not, you know, there's a lot there when the horse really feels seen and valued and heard, they'll show up for you even more so because of that relationship. I feel like you're speaking Emily's language there, horses <laughs> and yoga, but I'm also yeah. laughing to myself because uh, only one person has ever ridden her horse Barry bareback and that's me and he bucked me off in like oh no. solid 20 seconds it was Emily's uh wedding photos she was like oh uh her her husband wanted to get on bareback and um he, Emily's like well no one's ever been on Barry bareback before so I was like well I'll I'll try it because I had groomed Barry for the photos and stuff and like I sit on his back and like within two seconds I am on the ground it was hilarious um, yeah Barry does not want to be ridden bareback he would much prefer connecting through grooming so but maybe Emily can come uh do some yoga on, on a on a, a safer horse Right. Yeah. Or, and it's not always riding bareback, but it's these horse boy poses are actually like someone holds the horse and halter. And I mean, I do it without, but, but someone usually holds the horse in a halter and you're just literally sitting in different poses on their back and connecting with them intentionally. So it's not as much riding. They get to stand still, but uh, you know, ideally they haven't just walked out of being in a stall the whole time and they're ready yeah. to uh they're more in a, a relaxed state doing it but yeah it's pretty powerful when we just try and experiment with different things with our horses and get curious about what they want and what makes them tick uh and then when we know that to really you know deliver upon that and and I find like both of my horses are so different so I have to do different things with them to kind of meet what I'd call like their love languages I love that idea Emily and I have both um dove into the love languages book um so that's kind of a fun connection interesting to hear you bring up so kate i feel like we could talk to you for quite a long time because your work is so fascinating and i have a million more questions but tell me about some new projects that you're working on right now um you have like an oracle card deck involved in some books a new website tell us all about it yeah, thanks. I love writing. It's one of the things I do frequently, and it's really to give the horses a voice and tell some of their stories. So there's a book called Animals, which I'm in. It's from Sacred Stories Publishing, and it is Dr. Stephen Farmer's book, and he's really the, call him the godfather of spirit animals. I love his book, so I was really excited to be a part of this compilation series of stories. And I talk about the healing power of donkeys. I've had some of my most deepest and profound healings with some donkeys. So there's a short story in there. And that book is really pretty fun because it gives you a lot of different people's stories of like their miraculous encounters with different animals, as well as like how to work with spirit animals. So that's one. Uh, there's another book called Animal Prince for My Soul, which is coming out in February, and uh, it is all about different stories of other people and how they've developed really deep friendships with different animals. So I have a story about my first horse that I was leasing called, her name's Felici, 
and it means happily in Italian. And I talk about that, which is lead with love. And it's something she said to me when I was kind of having a, a breakdown after leaving corporate America and needing to kind of, again, redefine success and, and be more in my heart instead of in my ego. So that book is coming out. And then my own personal project, which I'm really excited about, it's a collaboration I did with an artist who I adore uh, named Nika Ware. And it is a 40 card deck. It's called Awakening with Equines. And it's 40 different qualities that the horses really teach and role model to us. So it's like trust, beauty, compassion, uh, connection, confidence. And it's really a lot of drawings and art around the human horse connection. And there's different activities you can do with your horse, as you mentioned before, like different ways you can grow that bond. I have a course uh, coming out on that as well about how you can grow the human horse connection in your life with your own horses. So yeah, this deck is in been in pre-order and it's going really well and it will be published uh, later this year, but the pre-order is available right now and people can order um, and receive like a signed copy, one of the first copies that's coming out. That's awesome. Can you explain just a little bit about how you use um, this card deck? Yeah, so Oracle card decks are often about seeking guidance and people, you know, or tarot decks or tarot decks, people often ask a question and then get some guidance. The way that the deck can be really be used is if you wanted to do consistently over 40 days in the whole mindset kind of coaching world, it takes 31 days or more, usually about 40 to create a new habit. So if 80% of our thoughts are often negative and there's kind of research on that and we recycle our thoughts from the day before, if you were to do this for 40 days in a row, you would really start to work with different qualities each day and grow a whole new way of being that would be a lot more like the horse and therefore a lot more empowered and loving. So that's one way. Another is just to ask one question at the start of each week. What's the quality that I need to focus on this week and grow? Uh, what's the quality that I can bring a, into my work so that I can be more of service? And um, you could also ask it, what do the horses want me to bring into my relationship with them? What's the one thing that I need to grow in my relationship with my own horse? So it's really a deck, whether you have a horse or not, it's really about emotional intelligence skills. That's so cool. I love that. I am definitely going to have to uh, get one for myself. And that's what I was thinking. We'll have to make sure, make sure that um, you get all, all those links. So what we'll do is we'll put them in the show notes for the listeners um, so that they have easy access to it. Um, and definitely we're so big on books at the whole question. We have like a whole segment called books, books, books. So in addition to those books that you've contributed to, I'd be curious to kind of get your book recommendation. Like what's one or more books that you feel have really changed your mindset about, I, I guess, all of these things that we've talked about, fulfillment, achievement, connection, any sort of, I, you know, I have a few that I always toss out as like groundbreaking, changing books for me. What's that for you, just so that our listeners can kind of connect with you on that book level? I love it. So I should mention two other books I'm in, and then I'm happy to give you my, my favorite breakthrough books. Mm -hmm. 
Two others that I'm in, in the compilation book world, I was in the, a book called The Power of Being a Woman, which is really about different female, fem, more feminine qualities and skills. And another one called Women Will Change the World, which was based on the Dalai Lama's quote that the Western world needs women to really rise and help and um, that we need to learn from women, which is so powerful to me. So I was in those two books. I do love them. Uh, the ones that I often recommend, because I'm like a bit of, I love doing leadership coaching with companies. It's one of the other pieces of my work that I do mm-hmm. and I do team buildings and leadership trainings. And so these are the books that I find are really great for like high powered executives and leaders. Um, I wrote down three. So there's seven habits of highly effective people by Stephen Covey. He just I use his practices and have for many years, and it finds that I I create balance that way. Another one, which is kind of random, it's called How Did I Get So Busy? And it really talks about different ways to get out of that cycle of just doing. And once I was reading it, I actually got hired by one of the TV networks to come and actually help their staff with with similar coaching to create more of that like work-life balance and synergy. And then the last one is the one that my first coach gave me, and it really was profound. It's called Slowing Down to the Speed of Life. And again, it's similar themes where it's like, we don't need to always hustle and rush. Um, And what's coming in is almost that metaphor of like, if we're riding seven steps in front of our horse, right, and we're just thinking about the course and not the horse, we're not with the horse. And really, it's about journeying together and that connection and, and synergy through that um, and I, I also read, I'm just adding more. I also read, uh, I love Michael Singer and he actually has an interesting connection to horses too, but he wrote, of course, the first one, the untethered soul, but his second one, which is really so awesome is called the surrender experiment. And it kind of blew my mind about his year of just saying yes to everything and what would be possible. And I read that right as the pandemic started in early 2020, and it totally shaped my year. I had one of the best years of my life, even though the world was, you know, going through quite a bit of chaos. Uh, and I find I was like living the surrender experiment. So those are some of mine. I've got a big smile on my face because I've read uh, Stephen Covey, but none of the other ones have been on my list. And they all like sound like everything I would chew up. And I love that you use the parallel of business because that's something that we do a lot in this podcast is like, how can we pull from uh, business executives or sports teams and bring it into the equestrian world? And I think it's interesting that it's vice versa. Like, what can we learn from horses and bring it into big business? Um, And I, you know, all these mindfulness concepts are so important. I think Emily and I when we um, talked at the U.S. eventing uh, symposium, we talked about how Google in 2012 boosted their productivity by introducing a mindfulness program called Search Inside Yourself. And it's just really cool to see all these parallels and all these connections between horses, business, success, uh, strive, getting results without striving too hard for them and like finding that peace and enjoyment in the journey. Love it. And yes, the business world has so much they can learn from horses. I feel like all they need to do is just trust that there is something there for them to learn from the horse herd for communication styles and also from an individual horse in regards to leadership. Because as you ladies know, you can't really lead a horse unless you're in authenticity and some levels of empowerment. And I find that 
executives could totally find really great experiential education, kinesthetic learning from being with horses. So it's one of my new goals is to really grow that part of my work even more. Very cool. That's fantastic. But I feel like you're going to help so many people through your work. And um, this has been a great conversation. We really appreciate you coming on. We want to make sure that all of our listeners can find you and, you know, hopefully get involved with some of the cool things that you're doing. So what is the best way for them to find you? Yeah, thanks. I'm on the great social channels that we all are. Uh, Instagram is Kate Nelligan Equine Coach. My YouTube has some great video series and tips for coaching. And I have a Facebook group called Awakening with Equines, which is a, uh, an awesome group of heart-centered and like-minded horse lovers. And we share a lot of great resources with each other there. Uh, my new website will be live in very near future, which will be katenelligan.com, but you can find me through consciousrockstar.com as well. So those are the best ways right now. Awesome. And like I said, we'll make sure that we get those from you so that we can publish them in the show notes as well, because I feel like, honestly, I could talk to you for six more hours. So I really feel like there's a lot of our listeners that could get benefits from your work and what you're doing. Um, and again, we just really want to thank you for taking the time to be with us. Um, this is a really cool perspective. And I think it really fits into everything that Emily and I are trying to do in the whole equestrian. So it's, it's awesome to find uh, like-minded people in the equestrian world in such a unique way too, right? Like I didn't, the more that I read about you and the more that I saw your work, I was like, this is really cool. I, I didn't even know that that was an avenue. And I feel like people say that about sports psychology. They're like, oh, I didn't even know like you could study that. I'm like, really? Like that's pretty mainstream to me at this point, but this is like really cool health energy mindset. Um, and I am so interested to, uh, you know, reach out to some of these resources that you've provided us. Thank you. I love what you're both doing as well. I think we, the horse world needs a lot of us just raising awareness of different ways of being and, and different tools and resources. And I agree that not everything has become mainstream yet. And I didn't know this existed in like till seven years ago. And even now I'm, my work continues to evolve and I'm learning new things. So I just think we have to share. So thank you for, for having this platform as a way of doing that too and educating people. Well, that's what we're here for. And again, we really appreciate um, your time and your insight. So thank you everyone for listening to this amazing episode with Kate. As always, we're here bridging the gap between riding and wellness. And in the meantime, enjoy the ride.